0: Welcome to the Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. This is episode 29. Firstly, apologies for the slight pause in episodes. It's really just been... A season of busyness for me, just one of those couple of months where there's just been heaps on uh, work things, fun things, and just needing to do a little bit of extra loving on some family and friends. So that's taken priority, and podcasting has taken a little bit of a backseat, but I'm glad to be back into it. But first, let me tell you about a couple of the fun things that I've been doing, because they do relate to this podcast. The first one is that I applied to the Anglican Deaconess Ministries for a grant for the Lydia Project. And was really excited to be shortlisted. And what that involved was going down and spending a day in Sydney, pitching the Lydia Project for some funding. And it was just such a fantastic day. There were 12 different women who were making similar pitches in different categories. So I got to hear about all these really creative and interesting ministries and evangelistic endeavours There were just so many really interesting things that people were doing and it was a great day. The Lydia Project didn't win our category, but as part of the pitching process, being shortlisted meant that Anglican Deaconess Ministries gave a grant to the Lydia Project of $1,000, which was fantastic and I can't wait to spend it on some better equipment so the podcast sound quality will improve. And also I'm thinking through how to use a bit of that money to make the Lydia Project podcast self-sustaining. So I'm thinking about possibly getting an ad on so that the money from that can pay for a bit of editing help because I love doing the podcasting. I love doing the interviewing, but not so much the editing. Anyway, a bit more for me to think about there. The second fun thing that I've been doing that relates to this episode is that just last weekend I went on holiday to Cairns and at the end of the holiday I caught up with Simone Richardson who kindly drove me back to the airport and we had a little podcast interview in her car. Now so you don't get anxious as you're listening I need to play you
1: this. Once again, welcome aboard your target flight to Brisbane, the pilots today are Captain Ross Vanikirk and First Officer Jeffrey Johnson, together with your crew, Craig, Alicia and Joe. Your crew will now complete the safety demonstration for this flight. We would appreciate your full attention.
0: That's so you know that I did make my flight because at a couple of points in the conversation, it wasn't necessarily obvious that that was actually going to happen. Anyway, in this conversation, Simone and I chat about what she's been reading and thinking about, and I'm sure you'll find it interesting and absorbing. I always find chatting to Simone absorbing and stimulating, and I particularly love that she just has this real passion for information and understanding new things, and she's a voracious reader and will read from all over the place, but especially when she's reading things from a secular viewpoint, I love that her brain is just always switched on as to how she can apply what she's learning to her work and to how to improve and understand things better that are going on within the church. So hope you enjoy listening to this conversation that we had. Now Simone, you were saying some really interesting things about education, because I know you're thinking a lot about that, but about metrics.
1: Yes. So, you're currently studying a maths and statistics. I am. I'm doing a graduate diploma in maths and statistics, which is just ridiculous amounts of fun. And I guess as um, from there, I've been doing quite a bit of data analysis of my school's data and have found some really interesting things. But it's gotten me thinking about um, metrics for church. And how we measure, I guess, I guess the thing that, that numbers can tell us is how well we're going. If we can actually um, think about what it is that we want to achieve in an organisation and find some way to quantify that so that we can, we can measure it and see if we're achieving our goals. So we do that in the business world all the time. Totally. But we don't do it at churches so much. Well, there, there's a saying in the business world that if, if you value something, you'll measure it. And I guess in church we do, there are some metrics that, that we keep very diligently. Um, my denomination uh, demands every year that we um, give our numbers, how many, how many people are at church every Sunday. So we keep careful records of those and we can track it over the different seasons of the year. Uh, and also we, you know, we have the metric of how much money people put in the plate
0: Yes. And and lots of churches do other
1: totally. kind of measures like membership or baptism. That's right, or numbers of people at your AGM. That's one that is is kept yep. a track of, and or members of Bible, Bible study, groups. study groups. That's yep. right. So I guess though those are, I just wonder if we could do more than that, mm. um, because I guess what we're trying to do at church is not just have bumps on seats, but have um, actually have actually growth in faith. And godliness, and how how you measure that though is is difficult. But it would be, it would be interesting if we tried to, tried to work out how to some ways that we can measure that, so that if we can see that, that, that we're actually. Achieving or not what we what we're setting out to achieve. So the National Church Life Survey does a subjective analysis of growth. So it does it. It does it. Certainly puts out a survey, um, and there are some things that are are done through that. But I, I guess they're not they're not necessarily in line exactly with what our church's stated goals and and mission is. So. It would be nice if it, that could be done more locally, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So what would be people's um, objections to this, do you reckon?
1: Well, I mean... It, it just sounds odd, doesn't it? Measuring Measuring growth, growth in godliness. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, to, it totally does, but it could be quite encouraging if you look at it over long, long term and get people to reflect on it. So I don't actually know how you would do it, but I think... It would be something that I'd like to put some time into thinking about and not just kind of things like Bible reading habits. Like, yeah, that, that's something that would be kind of easy to measure, mm. but a bit, a bit more than that, I guess. Um, yeah.
0: And what about um, sermons? Because they're a big part of church
1: life and a big part of how people grow. Yeah, I guess though I, I, I you know, measure how much people are learning from sermons one of the problems with asking people how much they're learning is that what people say is actually a really unreliable measure of, of reality yeah. so for instance if you ask somebody you know a student how much they're how much they're learning um, that there's, yeah, it, it's just notoriously unreliable because mm. we're lazy mm. and we mm. like to we like to shortcut um, with things. So anything that makes us work too hard, if like it, it would be terrible if people um, judged sermons by how much they enjoyed listening to them. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> and yeah. Whereas that certainly is one measure because if people are so bored with it, they're not listening at all. Obviously, that's that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. How's our recording going? Is yeah, that the yeah. Technology's working? Yeah, well, who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Um, so we were, something we were talking about earlier, Tori, desirable difficulties. Oh, wanna... yes. I was going to ask you about this. So this is, this is just only, only related because it's about
0: sermons, but I find it fascinating because it is such a good phrase and it's the first time I've heard it.
1: Tell me about desirable difficulty. when Okay, it comes so to I service. think that this is. So I've been reading about it in um, some education research that I've been reading. Um, I think it's by a guy called Bjork. B J O R K. Um, he's an education researcher. He talks about this. Um, in order to learn, okay, it actually requires you to think. Um, but being lazy, we often don't like to think. So. Good, good teaching has to—you can't actually make it too easy for students because if you make it too easy for them, they won't remember anything, and yet they like it when it's easy. So there's, you've got this kind of paradox you're working—you're working with. Um, so you need to—it to, it needs to be difficult, but the right amount of difficult in order to make you switch on your brain and work hard at it, because we remember what we think hard about and so I guess in sermons, so if I'm relating this piece of education research to sermons, Mm. the sermon needs to make us think hard if we are really going to remember it long term. So just having kind of sweet and pretty words that are fun to listen to probably aren't going to make the stuff actually hit our long-term memories so so I mean when you said that before like it just made me think about
0: sermons where I have to grapple I feel like I have to grapple with some of the difficulties in the bible passage or um, think
1: hard about I think grapple is a good word yeah I, I, I think that that's where, but the tendency is it's, it's a Sunday morning or it's a Sunday evening or whatever and I think it's Sunday morning and people have had trouble getting the kids, you know, rounding them all up and getting them into the car and it's, it's, it's hard work to, to get there and then you want the minister to dish up something that's, that's easy listening. Um, but maybe that's not actually the best way to promote learning and I guess long-term change. So mm. the, I, I like the word grapple because it doesn't sound like it's, it's boring. It's, it's, not that mm. it's, it's not that it's boring, but we need, you, you need to be, have your brain turned on and engaged with what's going on.
0: Yeah, which is probably why, um, you know, uh, one of the kind of good frameworks for a talk or a sermon is the, um, the opening paragraph that raises a problem you know, what, what, is, what is the question that the passage is asking? Or what is the problem that the passage is addressing? And, and you try and address or raise that question in the introduction. And then everyone is listening because they want to well try te- and
1: technically, but often the the question that's raised isn't all that much of a question. Yeah, like it's it's a yeah, and I I, I guess you get used to the the genre of yeah, sermon yeah, yeah. where there's going to be a problem and then Just we're going for to be solved. For me. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So yeah. maybe maybe even changing it up a little bit so that the. So, so that it's unexpected, even the structure of it's unexpected. Is that that maybe that that may be good? Something to think about, I guess. Cairns Airport uh, is big. Look at this car park. Cairns Airport is an international airport. <laughs> I will have you know. This no, is, but seriously, I didn't realise this on the way in. It's just it's actually really uh, quite big. This is not like Townsville Airport. <laughs> just need to bring in a little bit of the Cairns Townsville thing. <laughs> We have a proper airport here. You really do? We do, and we're going to... Are we to going to the, have to pay for parking? <laughs> uh, yeah, except we're not going to. There's, ah, a, there's a sneaky... Excellent. A sneaky spot we're going to. Am i am not surprised? I've done the airport drop-off before. Excellent.
0: Okay, so what are we talking about next? Oh, well, look, what are we talking about next? What are you reading at the moment apart from statistics, books and maths and helping
1: senior students through their English assignments? <laughs> um, I'm I'm actually, yeah, really just quite focused on my study this week. I've got my final exam um, tomorrow for the semester and... Um, yeah. So, what? But what am I reading? I'm actually reading lots of education research, actually. Apart from yeah, so apart from my study stuff. Yeah. Um, and I guess I've become quite fascinated with how we learn and what learning actually is. So, what, what do you reckon, Tori? What do you reckon learning is?
0: Oh, I'm going to give such a simple answer. I reckon learning is acquiring
1: understanding Mm. not bad not bad learning how do you like this definition learning is a change in long-term memory so if you you know can recite something today but can't tomorrow have you actually learned it yeah Not really. Not really. So um, it's about having stuff move move into our long term memory so that we can access it uh, when when we need it. So I guess that could be theology or it could be deep truths about God. Um, So the thing about long long term memory is that it's it is there and it's automatic Um, and it doesn't. Using things that are in our long-term memory, for example, knowing that half plus a quarter equals three quarters, that didn't take any thought. Yeah. that's in my long-term memory, that's there. I guess um, if we have the truths of the gospel in our long-term memory um, that are just that it's just there and automatic, maybe that's what we that's what we want. So this
0: is something I've actually been thinking about because I think sin actually sometimes works to dull that memory or make it harder Mm. to access. I don't know. Yeah. Just because um, when I'm reading passages that have been so familiar, I've been a Christian for 20 lots of years, Mm. (laughs) 20 lots, Um, probably about 30 years now, a passage that's really familiar, but I sort of forget about it in the day to day or when I read it again, it's only been a year or whatever since I've read it. It's it's new to me, and I think it must be like I think it's. I think there's a role that sin plays
1: there. I think of sin as fog. Yeah, actually, yeah. that kind of In memory. Um, I think of it. So we have our working memory and our long-term memory. I reckon. I the way I imagine sin is that it's a clouding of our sh- of our short-term memory. So it's kind of introduces fog over everything. Yeah. So stuff that we do know becomes hard to access mm. um the yeah we we forget how to retrieve it it's not that it's still not there mm. but you've got this kind of whole lot of noise getting in the way maybe Hmm. Mm. yeah Tori's plane, by the way, is leaving in 45 minutes <laughs> and she's, we're, we're just parked kind of outside of the airport. And, oh, look, like um, it's power podcasting. <laughs> it is, totally. Hey, can I tell you something interesting though? Yes. You're, people might be interested in this. I'm fascinated by it. So being a teacher as I am, um, what is the point of education Okay, we've got... I, somebody's explained this, and yeah. I've just read it recently. I think yeah. it's fascinating. Okay, imagine four quadrants. Yep. This is the stuff that education could be about. So in quadrant one, top top right, yep. we have... Oh, sorry, I'm trying to put my window down. Oh, well. Yeah, that one may or may not work. Yep. Um that one does yep. um so top right we've got uh, a student-centered approach to education so student education is really about the student finding themselves and the student sets the agenda on what they want to learn and all of that kind of stuff you can tell by the way that i'm talking about that's really not that's really not me okay quadrant number two top left we have kind of the academic scholar model where education is about imparting knowledge in particular domains Um, And then in quadrant three, bottom left down there, we've got, this is an interesting one, education um, being uh, what teachers are doing in school is fulfilling a fulfilling a job for their client. So the client might be society and it might be equipping students to fulfill the roles that society needs them to do. So it's not that you've got any particular things you want to teach them. Your job is to do what you're told and And you you do that. Mm -hmm. And um, the fourth quadrant is education for social reconstruction. So it's education to kind of right the social wrong. So uh, fix up inequality issues. And um, it's, 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 it's education with an agenda, I guess. Yep. I reckon a lot of Christian schools actually sit in that fourth quadrant. So their agenda is to, I don't know, raise raise Christian kids, so yeah. do this with – raise children with this particular worldview yep. so that the cause of Christ will be continued or whatever. Um, I'm not there. I, I, I think I've been kind of thinking about, oh yeah, why I don't – even though I want to see society change, why that I think is fundamentally not what I think education's for. Where do you reckon you would sit? Oh, interesting.
0: Oh. Maybe sort of the top two, but don't know. And it probably would change depending
1: on what type of education. Yeah. Um, don't know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Quadrant 2, the academic scholar, I think, and I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. I reckon, and this is why I'm happy to send my kids to state schools. Yep. Um, I think I want them to learn maths by people who are excellent at maths. I want them to learn learn literature by people who love literature i want them to learn history i want them to learn music you know and i i guess i see education as adam in the garden naming the plants and exploring exploring the world i see education as uh solomon in what is it one kings chapter four when he's becoming an expert in plants and in things that grow on... What was that verse? It, it's just... He's a biologist. Yeah. And that's what his thing is. And I think that that's a human thing that just understanding the world in all of its beauty and wonder and seeing the the elegance of a maths equation. I, I guess... I'm, I reckon education is, is about that for me. And I reckon if you focus on that and doing that really, really well, you'll actually achieve the other things as well. Really? See that's controversial. So, I reckon if you do that, I don't think that you help students well being by focusing on students' well-being and their personal growth. Yeah, but if you but... get them engaged with the world, yep. finding yourself in the world happens. Push back
0: on me. Go on. Well like the last quadrant about writing inequalities. Yeah. I mean, where does the whole person come in? Where does kindness come in?
1: Well, I reckon, this is why I think if you'd study literature really well, if you study Shakespeare... Oh, I think it's idealistic. Yes, of course it's idealistic. <laughs> um, but if you... So I noticed this when I'm um, a music teacher. When, I, when our kids sing a song that is really, really good with rich beautiful lyrics, we sing a lot of hymns um, because of the sort of music program. We run a lot of Christmas carols and they engage with that stuff. They come across the fallenness of people and I guess the complexities of human life and there's so much beauty and so much mess and engaging with it deeply I think gives you the... It gives you a picture of what could be, which I think helps you on your own work out your social agenda to fix things. So, one of my kids has an English teacher who is wildly left wing and basically preaches to them all lesson. So, I was telling this, um, I was telling these four quadrants to my son. He said, He's there, he's in that box, he is totally in that box. But it gets really boring just being preached to. Everything is about. I don't know whatever your whatever your social causes. Yeah. That's not reading. That's not what reading literature is about. Like, read the literature. Mm. I, I think I'm going to have to take you I think, to yeah, your to like, um, your play. Five minutes to walk from there to there. But I had another question. What was yes, it? Um, ask away.
0: Education. Oh well, I can't remember now. Oh, have I, I just?
1: About, yeah, I have just oh. <laughs> going the wrong way
0: down a on one is, way street. This is what
1: happens when you try and podcast <laughs> and drive at the same time. Let that uh, yeah. be a lesson. Let's—it's a one-way street. It's <laughs> going that way. Awesome. Okay, um, what was your question? Uh, well, how does those
0: four models of education then fit into Christian education in terms of thinking church education, teaching the gospel, yeah. um, encouraging?
1: I reckon. Christian so I, I think about this all the time um, with my kids because I, I actually spend amount of time that would surprise most people on Christian lyrics um with with my kids and at, at school when I'm teaching right. them yep. and I, I guess I think that reading learning to read really well and engage with a text on its own terms yep. um is uh and, and appreciate beauty yep. and thinking logically and reading deeply and I guess, kindly as well. So what is the what is the writer really trying to say here? I think that's actually really good preparation for, for hearing the gospel.
0: Yes, but obviously they do need to hear the gospel uh, from someone. Totally,
1: somewhere. totally. But I also I, like to think that they're hearing it in the songs we're singing Joy yeah. to the World at the yeah, moment. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the kids ask, what does it mean that somebody asked what Christ meant the other day, which was a fun one, but yeah, he comes to make his blessings flow as far as, what is it, as far as guilt is found or something like yeah. that. This is good stuff. But yes, they do absolutely need to, need to hear the gospel. Yes. Now, I think my question was, of those four segments in the quadrants, which one is... Um, it's interesting because there is different philosophies. I think that um, Anglicans see education as a social good and seeing it as so. Anglican schools are built on a different philosophy than than other kind of um, Christian schools. So in an in an Anglican in in an Anglican school, they're often quite unapologetic that what they're trying to do is teach really well. That's that's their a, a really important thing that just teaching well and, and seeing that as an end in itself um so that they are much more quadrant two i'm tiger air if there's different no i don't think to drop okay cool. tiger air i know take your life in your hands Woohoo. um <laughs> won't you feel bad if i have a crack <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, a schools that try and push a, a conservative agenda or a, or a, a whatever agenda is, is probably quadrant four. I think a school, uh, I see a lot of Christian schools advertising quadrant one, we're all about your child. There's one yeah, yeah. Uh, that really gets on my nerves near me that has a big sign up. Uh, something or other Christian college we believe your child can <laughs> that's their statement of faith that your child can but that's just buying into marketing stuff oh it? oh all it is but and... the word believe yes. with Christians yes. I would think that we wouldn't use it I'd like to think that we wouldn't use it yeah. quite as uh, tackily as that and also it's it's we believe that you're white yeah, and, yeah middle class stable family. child yeah. can um, and that's yeah. why you want to get them out of away from the poor kids because they can't but your child can Ugh, there's something a bit yuck about that Anyway, you have to go catch your... That's not a your, great note to leave it on. It's really not,
0: but, but it's been very stimulating talking to you, as always, Simone. Lots of fun And three. perhaps food for thought for people who are listening, even though it has been a bit all over the shop. It has. Um,
1: stimulating. <laughs> always <laughs> a pleasure. Um, I hope Tiger Air doesn't fall out of the sky. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thanks, Simone. Bye.